When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Dan. Welcome to our Wednesday edition of the Orange Brown Talk podcast. Mary Kay Cabot, Scott Patsko, and I go over some of the news of the day. So we start with Nick Chubb uh, and Demetri Felton testing positive for COVID-19 and kind of what that means as, as we head into that New England game. Then we get into Wyatt Teller signing his massive extension, and we end with the news that Odell Beckham Jr. cleared waivers and maybe has some interest in the Green Bay Packers. So that's all coming up here on the Orange Brown Talk podcast. If you're not a Football Insider subscriber, make sure you check it out. Cleveland.com slash Browns. Blue banner at the top of the page to get a newsletter delivered to your inbox every single day. Get access to exclusive stories on Cleveland.com slash Browns. I almost gave us the explicit tag there uh, with that uh, by, by misspeaking there. And then uh, you can also become one of our text subscribers. I know I'm rambling. As you're going to hear on the podcast, I ramble a little there, too. It's been one of those days here uh, covering the Cleveland Browns. Okay, all coming up here on the Orange Brown Talk podcast. Let's go. And here we go on our Wednesday edition of the Orange Brown Talk podcast. A lot of news to get into, so we're going old school here. We're just going to talk about the news of the day. Uh, Mary Kay Cabot, Scott Pasco, and I. All right, let's start with this. The big news today, I guess we'll call this the big news because it could affect Sunday's game. Nick Chubb, uh, positive for COVID-19. Demetri Felton as well, positive for COVID-19. So the Browns' only running back that they have, really who you can count on, is Dearness Johnson at this point going into the game. Uh, Mary Kay, this was sort of, uh, I guess, a worst-case scenario going into this game. You want to have Nick Chubb. He played really well on Sunday. You kind of found yourself offensively, and here we are. We've kind of got to play the waiting game because uh, if if he is, in fact, vaccinated, then he needs to test negative twice within 24 hours uh, or negative, whatever, negative twice, 24 hours apart. (laughs) We were talking about this before the show, uh, if he's going to play on Sunday. Yes, absolutely. And, uh, you know, there are extenuating circumstances. I mean, if he's actually sick and he has symptoms, then he might not be testing negative over, you know, the next couple of days. I mean, we just don't know yet. If he's asymptomatic and he totally feels fine right now, he might be negative tomorrow or the next day or the next day, and he can get back on the field. But you never really know how that's going to go. You got to get those two negative tests 24 hours apart. And, um, and the deadline is Saturday. So by Saturday, they have to test negative uh, in order to be able to play. So the deadline is Saturday at 4 p.m. And you definitely don't want to be without Nick Chubb in this game, going up there to New England and playing uh, a Patriots team that is playing very well. Another reason for that is because, of course, as we know, we don't know if Kareem Hunt is going to be back for this game yet. We never really expected that he would be back this week. If he is back by this week, I think it would be a surprise. Uh, Now, he is a fast healer, but originally he was supposed to be out around four to six weeks. So I think it would be a stretch to think he's coming back to play against the Patriots on Sunday. Stranger things have happened, uh, but as of right now, I don't think that's the plan. Yeah, Scott, this is an interesting situation for the Browns on the Kareem Hunt front, because when Mary Kay said that name, it, it made me wonder. 
do they push it a little bit with Kareem? But obviously that wouldn't be the, the wisest thing to do. How, how would you approach that? Yeah, it, it's funny. I, I was doing the, I was kind of tracking their uh, pursuit of, you know, double 1000 yard seasons, Hunt and Chubb. And, you know, and th- I was kind of looking at this, this week, like best case scenario, he comes back, there's still a chance, but then the whole time you're thinking, yeah, that's, that's really a quick turnaround. And I think beating the Bengals on the road, maybe made this game a little less important. Obviously they're all important, but you know, it's not, you lost to the Bengals and now you're really in trouble. Um, so I don't think you push people to come back. And I don't think Kevin Stefanski would do that anyways. The good thing is all this happened on a Tuesday and I'll probably just take Kevin Stefanski's advice. He loves to say we're just dealing with today and we'll move from there and see how it goes. And, uh, you know, two days from now, everything could be fine. But right now there's just a lot of unknowns. Okay, so for each of you here, Mary Kay, what's your confidence level if Dearness Johnson is the guy again like he was a few weeks ago against Denver when he had, I mean, look, he had an amazing game, a game that people are still talking about. So what's your confidence level in Dearness Johnson if he's got to be the guy going into Foxborough? Well, have you guys looked up the uh, the Patriots run defense yet, or could you look that up real quick if you have a, a sec? Yeah, I can I, do that while you're talking. Okay, I haven't had a chance to do that. So many things have happened today that, you know, usually I think we take a little bit of Tuesday, study the opponent, look up some statistics. I know you always do that uh, a lot, Scott, on Tuesday, get all your stats ducks in a row. But, um, but I haven't really had a chance to do that yet today because, you know, I hit the ground running this morning with that Wyatt Teller extension that we'll be talking about here in a little bit. And it just has not stopped since. Um, but anyways, so if they're, run defense. I mean, Bill Belichick is usually pretty good uh, in terms of run defense. I would imagine that, uh, that they will be ready for Dearness Johnson. Do you have it yet? Yeah. I mean, they're, they're okay. They're, they're not great. They are so yards per game. um, They're actually pretty good. They are behind the Browns at third. The Patriots are fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth. The Patriots are ninth in yards per game. Um, so that's pretty good. I don't know about, I don't see yards per carry on here. Um, just yet. Actually, that might be, uh, that might be total defense. So I'm still looking here. (laughs) I'm looking at DVOA and the Patriots are actually fifth overall in defensive DVOA that they're 17th against the run. They're like about 12%. Here we go. And I just, the average, yeah, they're even better against the pass. And I just found yards per game and they're kind of middle of the pack. Um, 108.9 yards per game. Okay. Well, given that, that they're middle of the pack, then I, you know, I would think that Dearness Johnson, if he is the workhorse back in that game with the offensive line that, that the Browns have, I think that, that he will fare pretty well. So, you know, I will think, you know, I think that he'll make his yards. I mean, even though they have Blake Hans playing at right tackle right now, he's playing pretty well. So I still think that, um, you know, that Dearness will have another opportunity to go out there and have, you know, make a statement and say, I belong and we're not going to panic just because right now we might not have Nick and Kareem again. So I, I think they'll be all right in the run game. Scott, after the Denver game, you, you kind of said to Dearness Johnson prove a little tongue in cheek, but did you know Dearness Johnson prove that running backs don't matter? <laughs> Uh, but then the, the other day in Cincinnati, uh, Nick Chubb had a run. You were sitting next to me in the press box, and, and I heard you say something like, I think Nick Chubb just proved that, that running backs matter on that play. So 
I, I guess we'll find out because, you know, we are going to talk about Wyatt Teller here shortly, but this offensive line is at least built to kind of open up holes for anybody. Yeah, I think what we, looking back now, after seeing the last two games, what we've learned is Wyatt Teller matters <laughs> and, uh, and Joel Petonio matters. And obviously the line has a, a huge part in, in what Dernis Johnson did. But, you know, he, he made people miss. And that's the one thing that really stood out. There were, yeah, there were a lot of holes. Um, and he just had to find the right cutback lane. But he was making people miss, which is a big part of what Nick Chubb does and Kareem Hunt, too. Um, so when you see that and you see him kind of get yards on his own and get yards after contact, uh, that's what I think really impressed me about Dernis Johnson. And, um, you know, I, I don't know if you're going to get that. I mean, the Broncos were not a good run defense. And if, if the Browns go into new England without Nick Chubb or Kareem hunt, um, I, you would think that Bill Belichick wouldn't have as big a task taking Dernis Johnson out of the game as he might've, you know, taking Nick Chubb out of the game. So one other thing to kind of keep an eye on is because this kind of mixes up Demetric Felton and all of this, we know Demetric is not just a running back. So I, I don't know. I, I don't know if this is going to get worse. I don't know if this is going to be the end of it, but, but I guess just as, as we go through this week, my, my concern would be would any of the wide receivers get swept up in this plays a lot of special teams. I mean, there's, there's a lot of ways this could go. I mean, maybe two days from now, it's just kind of the guys that we have now, but um, that, that's something to keep an eye on too, right, Mary Kay? Yeah, it's definitely something to keep an eye on. And the Browns have already started to take, uh, you know, extreme measures to, to try to get this thing under control a little bit, because we all know how uh, it can kind of spiral a little bit. We've seen that happen. And one of the things is, uh, you know, that tomorrow we're going to be back on, on Zooms for interviews. I mean, you know, that is just one thing they feel that they can do to try to keep this thing under control. So, um, and I'm sure that they're doing things, obviously, extra inside the building. Um, and yeah, you just never know when this starts to happen, you really have to brace yourself. I mean, what if, what if you don't have Baker Mayfield for Sunday? They don't, you know, they don't know. I mean, you know what I mean? Like you just don't know uh, where something like this could go. So they're hoping that it stops right here and that uh, in the best case scenario, they get both of these guys back and this game will not be impacted negatively. I mean, we look, I mean, you can just look at what happened with the Green Bay Packers this past weekend where they didn't have their quarterback. Now their quarterback um, really didn't have a chance to come back uh, because he was unvaccinated. So fortunately for these guys, um, not only are the two running backs vaccinated, so they do have the chance to get back with the two negative tests, but Dearness Johnson is also vaccinated. So in the event that he tests positive in the next day or two, he would also have at least a chance of coming back. Um, but yeah, this is something where, you know, remember we, we had, uh, we did the, those questions early on in the season on one of these pods. And you said, you know, what scares you most or what, what, you know, what, what should Kevin Stefanski fear the most or whatever. One of the answers, uh, that we gave was COVID because it's just, you never know, uh, who you're going to have for sure on Sunday. So hopefully it'll all work out and, uh, and they'll have their whole team going to New England. All right, let's talk about some good news. 
<laughs> Wyatt Teller <laughs> signs the second largest contract uh, by a guard in the history of the NFL. That's a that's a really interesting number because whenever we've talked about Wyatt Teller, we've talked about what kind of number are the Browns going to give him. We've thrown out Joe Dooney's contract. It was probably a little too much. That, that was too much, obviously. They didn't go quite that high uh, with Wyatt Teller, but we wondered, would they go – to this $14 million average or something like this. And we talk about franchising him. Well, you're not going to franchise tag him because you got to pay him like a tackle, all of that. Well, the Browns obviously decided uh, in, in the recent, you know, recently that Wyatt Teller is incredibly important, that they want to pay him a lot of money. You know, Mary Kay, I was wondering, does the fact that they released Odell Beckham, did, did that maybe free up space for this? It's sort of a quick turnaround. I mean, you don't, pay a guy 14 million a year, just overnight. You don't decide to do that, but it does feel like maybe I know on Twitter, a lot of people were theorizing about this. What do you think? Does the fact that they moved on from Odell, did that maybe free up some money down the road that they were more willing to spend? You know what? I'm going to say for the most part, no, because it takes a while to get to this point where you uh, come up with a blockbuster deal like this. So it had to be underway for, for a period of time, I would think. And the only amount of money that they saved in the Odell Beckham Jr. transaction was $3 million for this year because we know he really wasn't going to be around after this year. He had no guaranteed money left on his deal, and it would have been uh, just a no-brainer for them probably to part ways with him, and they would not have had to worry about any dead cap space after this. So I don't think it loomed super large in this Wyatt Teller extension. I think what happened is they watched him play for the first half of the season and they watched him climb and climb and climb up. Not that they look at PFF rankings. They have their own rankings and everything. But I mean, here he is as the number two rated guard in the NFL on pro football focus, one ahead of Joel Batonio. And, uh, and he went out and he earned this contract. And icing on the cake was that pancake block that he put on Jesse Bates. I mean, what a way to, uh, to go out there and get that extension signed. Now, I know that it was in the works before that, but it was just a nice kind of way to punctuate. Here's what we're going to do for this guy. Uh, and it just kind of went in with the whole Wyatt Teller package, which we captured a little bit today in the interview with him with the gator and the pancakes and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think that. If, if Odell were still here, I think this still would have happened. And I think they're rewarding uh, a player that has just gone out and earned it. And he's shown that he is pretty much everything uh, that embodies the spirit of the Cleveland Browns. Jesse Bates, the final player taken in our non-quarterback draft back in whenever, <laughs> whenever we did that. Good Scott, when, when, <laughs> when you saw this news, that's because Doug yelled at me when I, when I picked him. When you saw this news, I, I guess, what did you think? What does it tell you that the Browns decided to make this investment in Teller? Hey, you know, it's weird because there are a lot of people in the uh, analytics community, which always sounds weird when you say it that way, but I think the Browns fall into that category. Um, you know, they would tell you that a guard isn't going to be rated very high as far as uh, positions that are vital to you scoring or keeping the other team from scoring. But it's clear that throwing money into the offensive line for the Cleveland Browns is working. And it's a huge part of why they've had success. So, you know, it, it's hard to watch Teller and not think that guy needs to get paid. You know, I mean, they, they just, it's not, 
it, the way they play too kind of plays into it because the offensive lineman moves so much and they use him as a pole blocker so much. I mean, when he's on the move, he's devastating. And we saw that against on that 70 yard run. We saw it in, in other plays too in that game. And he just, you know, mauls over people. And he, he actually started out kind of slow. If you're going by PFF grading, he did not have great grades coming out of the gate this year through the first uh, four games or so. Um, but then like over the last three, it's just the switch has been flipped and he's been like the top graded offensive player period on the Browns, the three, three straight games. And uh, he's back up into the nineties now as a run blocker. Uh, he's doing better as a pass blocker, certainly well enough to, uh, to not have to really be concerned with his pass blocking. You know, he's not getting beat out there and getting Baker hit stuff like that. Um, but really the run blocking is what, what makes a steal uh, happen. And yeah, it's just, he's at a point now where it's just, I wrote today, like beast mode. <laughs> That's where he is. And he's out there. He told you, Dan, he's out there to try and rip people's faces off uh, before the season <laughs> when you interviewed him and he's doing it. I mean, it happened multiple times against, against the Bengals and it's, it's going to keep happening. There, there aren't a lot of offensive linemen, especially interior offensive linemen that just get gifts made and, and, become Twitter viral, not, not just carrying alligators, but just plays they make on the football field become viral. Mary Kay, I guess my first thought was when you kind of look at what this team has invested in most recently, right? They extended Nick Chubb. I'm sorry. They extended cream hunt last season, uh, but this year they've extended Nick Chubb. Now they've extended Wyatt Teller. They're very clearly continuing to, to invest in this run game. And, you know, Joel Batonio has already paid. JC Treader has already paid Jedrick Wills. They drafted him. Uh, he's been pretty good in the run game. Uh, you know, Jack Conklin can do it all. They've invested very heavily, obviously, in protecting Baker, but also in guys who really complement and, and make this run game go. Yes, absolutely. And, um, you know, one of the other things I think to, to consider uh, in, in all of this is the fact that, um, I mean, Nick Chubb is just, he is just so well worth the money. And we have talked about this so many times uh, over and over, you know, is, is a running back going to be worth that kind of money? And, um, and he has proven to be worth it. So the investment uh, has been worthwhile because that's what they're hanging their hats on. And um, in terms of Wyatt Teller's money, one thing that I, I think about here is the fact that I almost kind of think that you might need to give Joel Batonio a little raise now. And I put that in my story because he's now sort of under market uh, on the team. And it doesn't feel to me like that's how the Browns would necessarily want to do business where you've got your three-time Pro Bowl guard in Joel Batonio averaging about $8.5 million or $8.7 million a year, I think it is. He's ranked 14th in terms of annual average. And that's really the number that when you're comparing apples to apples, it's the number to look at. So he is, I think I might have it here somewhere, but he, you know, he's in the eight, five range or eight, seven range. And yeah, I, I just pulled it up. He's um, he signed five years, 50 million. He's got nine and a half this year, nine and a half next year. This is on over the cap. And then he's a free agent after next season. Yeah. But I think the average is somewhere is 14th and it's somewhere in the eight, five, eight, six, eight, seven range. And that is so much lower now, so much lower than what, what Wyatt Teller 
is making. And they think so highly of Joel Batonio. I mean, he is like their, you know, next man up Joe Thomas guy, you know? I mean, he just stepped right into those Joe Thomas leadership shoes and warrior shoes and all that kind of stuff. I have to wonder if you might not somehow sweeten the package a little bit. I mean, he's one of the best guards in the NFL and he's tumbled down to, to 14th now, and you're going to be having some extra money. And um, so I think I would do that. I would go out and I would restructure Joel a little bit to bring him up into line a little bit more. Uh, it, it's, it's good business. I mean, may, you know, may, most teams probably wouldn't do that. And I don't know if this team will, but it's definitely something I would do. What, what are the odds Joel Petonio cares about that? <laughs> I bet well, it's pretty low. He doesn't, he might, he might not seem like he would care about that, but I mean, I don't yeah. know. It's, yeah. it doesn't mean that that's not the reason to do it. I mean, I still think that, you know, that you do you reward your, your best players and that you want to make sure that they feel good about themselves and they feel good being here. And like I said, I could be completely wrong about this. I, I mean, it's not my money, but <laughs> <laughs> I would, I would reach into my pockets and find a little bit of something, something. Uh, for Joel Petonio to bring him up a little bit. Cause I know that, um, you know, they view him as either just as good, obviously in the rankings bear that out just as good as Wyatt Teller or better than Wyatt Teller when you factor in the pass blocking and everything. Right. So therefore I would do that. I, again, it's just, uh, you know, it's just something that, that I've thought of. I have no idea if they, uh, if they will, even consider doing that. But I think that's how you would want to treat your players if um, if I were them. Now, poor Joel is out here doing car commercials, trying to make yeah, money. Exactly. <laughs> Although I don't, Joel might want to wait. You uh, might want to sit here and wait until next offseason or, or maybe even I, I doubt he wants to hit free agency. I'm sure if he could retire at Cleveland Brown, he would. Um, but mm-hmm. He's just saw Wyatt Teller get a huge contract. He saw what Joe Thune got last year. I'm sure that he'd like to see that guard market kind of continue to climb a little bit as well. I, he, he might be interested in that. But, yeah, I, 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 I agree with both of you, Mary. I think at some point you do need to look at the Betonio situation and say, okay, this is great value, but is it time to reward him again? And also, Scott, that Joel is probably not sitting there, like, just grinding his gears over the fact that Wyatt Teller got all this money and, and – is going to go knock on Andrew Berry's door tomorrow and say, pay me. But yeah, at some point you do want to reward a guy like that. who's just been the face of your team for years and years and has been nothing but loyal and is frankly a, a great player as well. Would All you right. do it? Dan, would you do it? Would you do something right to sweeten now? The pot? Yeah. Would you do something now to sweeten the pot for Joel Batoni? I mean, I guess if there was a way to just give him more money right now, like just give him some sort of, <laughs> like signing bonus or something Christmas Probably. is coming up. Yeah, right? well, you know what? They just saved $3 million today on Odell Beckham jr. So let's start with that. Let's just, Andrew can just drive over to Joel's house tonight with a pizza and $3 million. <laughs> I mean, I think you could do something this offseason. I mean, he's got a year left after this. So, I mean, you could do something. I mean, it wouldn't be a great story. Like the night training camp opens next year. Hey, we just tacked four more years on Joel Batonio's contract. Yeah, I, w- I would definitely look into doing something like that after this season is over um, yeah. and, and not letting him ha- sit in that contract year. 
and you know worry about staying right. healthy and, and all of that. Not that he's had any health issues since 2017, but um, yeah, I mean he's he's going to be 31 next year. It's the perfect time get those last few years of his career locked up, and, and you know there there hasn't been any decline in his game yet. Did you do it, Scott? Yeah, I think I like the idea of doing something in camp, and uh, I think that would be the perfect time for sure. One more story here, and that, of course, is a story that's not going to go away anytime soon. I know Browns fans might want it to, but we are going to spend a little time on Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, he cleared waivers. We're recording this at right now. It's about 530 on Tuesday, and the reports are that he is very interested in going to the Green Bay Packers. Good news, bad news situation for the Browns, because obviously the Packers are in the NFC. That's the good news. The bad news is the Packers are going to play a role in, in the Browns' fate, at least a little bit, because the Browns have to play them on Christmas. So I guess Mary Kay Odell ends up in Green Bay. If that happens, what are your thoughts? Well, you know, I, I think he would probably pair very well with Aaron Rodgers. I think it would really help the Packers. Uh, I think by the time the Browns would play them, he would be acclimated to the team and the system. And the system is probably pretty similar. You're talking about a West Coast type of offense. Uh, so, yeah, I think it would be uh, I think it would be a good move for Odell's career, uh, you know, to be with Aaron Rodgers. I think it would be great for Aaron Rodgers to have Odell. I think it would make that game a little bit more difficult. Um, so it really wouldn't necessarily be good for the Browns. I mean, what if they need that football game? to get into the playoffs, right? I mean, could you see a scenario like that where it's Christmas day and they're going into the frozen tundra of Lambeau field and they have to face Odell Beckham jr. And, um, you know, and every, you know, what if everything's on the line and they need that game and somehow he comes up big. It's just, that's not a storyline that they would want to have, especially on a holiday like that and with so much at stake. Um, so, you know, something crazy like that could happen, but yeah, I mean, I think potentially anywhere he goes, he could come back to haunt you somewhere along the line in the playoffs, obviously not until the Super Bowl if it's an NFC team, but, um, probably better to go to green Bay than the Baltimore Ravens or the Kansas city yeah. chiefs or the Raiders or the Raiders. Um, so yeah, I, I would think it's better for the Browns to have him in green Bay, unless look like, unless he does to the Browns, what he did to the Dallas Cowboys last year. Now that game, when he scored three touchdowns, a, a touchdown pass from Jarvis, a touchdown pass from Baker and a 50 yard reverse really won that game for the team, put the team on his back and won that game. That game, if they don't have that one game, they don't make the playoffs last year. They, they would not have made the playoffs. They needed every single game to get in. So if he does that, um, you know, that, you know, that would obviously be very significant. I mean, if he kept the Browns out of the playoffs, that would obviously not be good. But um, I still think it's, it would probably be worse right at the moment to have him with an AFC team. When I when I saw the the report about how he liked the Packers, I mean, who doesn't if you're a free agent, I guess. But I, Aaron Rodgers, I mean, a lot of people don't expect him to be there next year, right? Uh, 
I, I doubt that Odell watched them play the Chiefs and looked at Jordan Love and thought, yeah, that's the guy I want. I want throwing to me for the next X number of years. It, it just, I just think about this as like, okay, this is this is where he's going to be for the rest of the season. That's that maybe that's it. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't know. I just there seems there's so much uncertainty about Aaron Rodgers' future in Green Bay. Um, it just just seems like the same situation it might have been if somebody had claimed him that he you know would have gone there and been there through the rest of the year and then figured something else out. But I mean, you know, you mentioned the Dallas game though, as far as uh, his potential. And that's, you know, that's the only game anybody ever mentions with Odell, because that's really the only time we ever saw peak Odell Beckham with the Browns. So I just, the whole notion that he's going to haunt them by going somewhere, I think is overblown until he proves that, you know, everything wrong with what he did was, was the Browns. And we haven't, we don't have no proof of that yet. I will say it's better than going to an AFC North team, obviously, because you don't want to see some disgruntled player twice a year, every year, but I don't know, has Joe Hayden really hurt the Browns after going to Pittsburgh, um, you know, X number of years ago. I don't know. It's, I think there's a lot of fan fear and stuff like that, but I think it tends to be overblown. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you're more concerned about Devontae Adams and, you know, Aaron Jones and Aaron Rodgers in that game. But, you know, when you add Odell in, and the other thing about that too is by the time the Browns play them, he'll have had some time to get a little bit comfortable. Like if he signed with New England, for example, I don't even know if he'd play on Sunday. Um, maybe he'd try to get out there. If he signed with Baltimore, he'd, have, he'd be there two weeks before he'd have to face the Browns. There, there wouldn't be a lot of acclimation there. It's really hard to join a team in the middle of a season. Um, you know, if he signs with Green Bay, you've got, you know, about a month and a half to at least kind of get your get your sea legs, I guess, and, and figure out what it's like to play with Aaron Rodgers, figure out how you fit in that offense. It's a similar – well, Matt LaFleur is similar in the offense he wants to run to, as Kevin Stefanski. It's a little more open, a little more spread out because that's sort of what Aaron Rodgers likes to do. But it, it is sort of a – there are some similarities there in, in the offenses. So maybe – I don't know, maybe that's part of it too. And, you know, the other thing to think about with that game, if he ends up with the Packers, I think he was still trying to shake off the rust of coming back from a torn ACL. I mean, it takes a while. And the more time you have, the better off you're going to be. I mean, people, oh, you know, sometimes do have such high expectations for a guy coming off of a torn ACL and they expect them to be exactly who they were the moment they hit the field. And sometimes it takes a little while, especially when you're 29 years old, just turned 29 on Friday, uh, takes the body a little bit longer uh, to get back to where it was. In addition to that, he's been suffering from a sprained right shoulder and it's a significant sprain. Uh, it's, uh, it's, there's some torn ligaments and stuff in there. So um, by then that could be even healed up a little bit more as well. So, you know, Maybe, you know, maybe he would be a factor in that game. Uh, it, it remains to be seen. You, you just, you never know, but, um, you know, may, maybe there is more to him than he was able to show here. We will find out. It'll give us something to talk about Christmas week, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We've, got no, we've got nothing better to do leading up to Christmas, like shopping or wrapping presents or decorating. I don't know. I'm very last minute. See, I do all that stuff like last minute. So. You know, (laughs) 
it'll give me something to do, I guess. All right. Well, there we go. Our three big stories today uh, with the Browns here on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Make sure you're a football insider subscriber. Head to cleveland.com slash Browns. It's the blue banner at the top of the page uh, to get texts, a newsletter, and access to those stories that you can't get access to uh, at cleveland.com slash Browns. And of course, subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen. For Mary Kay and Scott, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody.